Welcome to another episode of Not Your Average Feminist. We may not be your average feminist today, but tomorrow we will be. I'm Amanda. I'm Christina. And I'm Sarah. Welcome to another episode of the Not Your Average Feminist podcast. This is Amanda, and I'm here with Christina. Hello. And Sarah is still on maternity leave. We miss you, Sarah. Um, but she's busy taking care of her new offspring. So. But we could be her children soon if she adopted us. <laughs> <laughs> and then she could come back. <laughs> yeah, Sarah, if you're listening to this, which you better freaking be listening, um, please adopt us and so that you will have three children. And then... Um, and that, that's your cat in the background. Yes. <laughs> I don't know if our listeners could hear that, but that was really funny. Anyway, um, okay. Time to get serious. I'm putting on my serious face right now. I'm not going to lie. He is sitting at my door. He is going to meow for a while. <laughs> and if I let him in, he's just going to meow into the microphone because he is that extra. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll we're just going to ignore your cat. Yes. What's, is this Nemo? It's Nemo. All right. Good old Nemo. All right. Anyway. Okay. So this is an episode about drum roll, student AM- loans. <laughs> and AOC. No, I'm just <laughs> You know, last week, I didn't bring up AOC at all. No, you By didn't. Way. Um, so you should be – I should get credit for that. You should. Because I somehow always find a way to bring her up even though I hate myself for doing it. We should start like a quarters jar so every time you bring her up, you have to like put money into a jar. You should actually. Because well, you that, should do that's it. a serious motivator for me. Money. Well, you should do it. <laughs> I'm not going to give my money for when you make this. No, no, no. <laughs> I will definitely put a dollar in a, d- a jar or a quarter. Perfect. Um, I just need to, like, set it up for myself. Um, anyway, okay. I mean, would we have brought up AOC? Gosh, Christina, you brought up AOC, and now I can't <laughs> stop thinking about her. Okay. She's, like, my least favorite politician that I love to pay attention to, but I hate myself for doing it. I can't. I, I Like, I have no words. I can't even talk coherently right now, and we're, we are recording a podcast. So let's go back to what we were initially talking about. So right. it's my fault that we even got on to the other person. Yeah. But student loans. Yeah, student loans. Okay, so uh, – all right. So we are talking about this because Elizabeth Warren just released her um, plan to deal with the student loan crisis. And even though um, – okay, so we, were, we are recording this just a few days after she released her plan, although this is not going to be published until probably a couple of weeks later um but i think it'll still be in the news so like whatever super relevant um she released a plan this week um she you know she's like really into releasing plans or whatever so i'm gonna do a brief and she also published it on media which i think is hilarious um for other reasons Uh, she's (laughs) she's the cool candidate (laughs) it's because nobody wanted to pick it up in their newspaper so medium is the best Uh, i I just think it's hilarious anyway um okay let me write this op-ed. Oh, nobody wants to take it on. So I'll publish it on Medium. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I have no idea if that's true or not, but in my head, that's exactly what happened. <laughs> that is kind of like how a lot of things 
That's kind of why you post on Medium. Um, Sorry, Medium. I'm not trying to show or throw shade towards Medium. Um, But whatever. We should start using Medium. (laughs) We should start using Medium. (laughs) If you have any op eds we can't get published, let's just start at NYAF Medium account. Um, I have this whole thing about cats. So I want to write. You need to listen to your stuff about cats, Christina. Look, my cat is going to have a lot to say about that soon. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Back to the business at hand. Okay. Um, Serious face. Okay. So her plan. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to have to edit half of this out. Okay. Once you said serious face and then you went like that. This is not even a funny topic. I don't know why I'm laughing so hard. It's because you're staring at me over Skype and every time. But you went like that, like serious face. What's wrong with that? Well, because we're recording this so people listen to us, not that they see us. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Okay. I'm using my hand. It's like a, I'm, I'm wiping my hand over my face to like make myself get serious and you do realize we're recording this after 9 p.m which means no wonder (laughs) this is like my um my witching hour between (laughs) nine and ten this is this is amanda's witching hour so it's a great time to be talking about student loans yeah (laughs) okay we're gonna have to edit out like the last five or you're gonna have to stop staring at me for a second okay Okay, so it's just so I can get through this. <laughs> this is not funny. Okay, this is it's actually really not funny. So Elizabeth Warren posted. <laughs> okay, so we are talking what did you about on this last episode of Happy Armor Terminus. <laughs> well, I learned to laugh for five minutes. <laughs> I learned that the hosts are completely unserious <laughs> um, and just no ridiculous idea people. What they're talking about. Um, after the 9 p.m. Okay. But seriously, though, I've been thinking about this a lot this week, so I really wanted to do an episode on this, and I'm going to quickly recap uh, Elizabeth Warren's plan because she laid it out for us so nicely in this Medium article. Um, so this is straight from her uh, plan, which I will post in the show notes. And she writes it in the first person. So here we go. According to Elizabeth Warren, quote, my plan... For broad student debt cancellation will, number one, cancel debt for more than 95% of the nearly 45 million Americans with student loan debt. Number two, wipe out student loan debt entirely for more than 75% of the Americans with that debt. Number three, substantially increase wealth for black and Latinx families and reduce both the black, white, and Latinx white wealth gaps. And number four, provide an enormous middle-class stimulus that will boost economic growth, increase home purchases, and fuel a new wave of small business formation. End quote. Side note, I totally forgot that Latinx was a thing until I read this media post. (laughs) So I have two questions. Yes, ma'am. Like, Go ahead. Just, just initially. Mm-hmm. A, I went to college, but what is Latin X? What does the X stand for? I don't know, but I, I think it's a new way to describe, like, 
the Latina population. Or Latino, because you're gendering the... Correct. I think maybe it's a way of describing the Latin American people without... So is she, when gender. she describes a, when it's is when it's Latinx, does that include Central and South America, or is that just Central America? Gosh, Christina, why do you have to ask so many questions? Well, that was just question one. I'm googling it right now. Latinx. And question question two that I yeah. have. Oh, here we go. Like, Latinx is a gender neutral term, sometimes used in lieu of Latino or Latina. Yeah. with Warren, you well, are guess- so freaking aggressive. Well, okay. I guess that makes sense because Latina would mean male and Latina would be female. If I remember the sure. one and half she, years she's of Spanish just doing in every, She's doing everyone a favor by not prescribing a gender. There you go. Okay. Okay, question number two. Um, so how does this benefit the millennial, millennial generation? Because, like, for instance... I don't know about you. I'm like, I'm on the upper end of millennial. Like, I'm teetering at the very end. We know. I know. I'm the old lady. (laughs) Um, But, like, I don't have student loans anymore. Um, How does this benefit our generation? Like, she's obviously pandering to voters. Right. So, how does this make you more willing to vote for her if you were a liberal um, than anybody else that's running? I mean, your debt is probably either non-existent or very close to not being existent. Are I you would guess. About me specifically? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you yeah. specifically, um, and like people your age, unless you went to like Ivy League and paid full price to go there. Um, well, are... she's obviously pandering to young voters right now, yes. right? Like that eighteen and, to twenty. Well, and also, I think a lot of millennials um, still do you struggle with student loan debt? Like, I know you're on the upper end. Like, you maybe paid your off, paid yours off. I've paid mine off, even though I'm solidly in the middle of the millennial yeah. generation. Like, I paid mine off, but I can stipulate that I am the exception and that you are the exception. So, like, I know a lot of other people who are my age or older, actually, who... um have mountains of student loan debt and feel like it's something that they will never pay off. And I think she's pandering to those people. Okay. And, and like and younger people who are like maybe in college right now for sure. Yeah. I mean, I know the the one thing that I really stress with my stepson because he's 16. Mhm. And getting ready to start looking at colleges is a, Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. A we have um like a college fund set up for him that like my husband and I contribute to his my stepson's mother contributes to both of his sets of grandparents contribute to it as well. So they all get tokens. They can all donate money or give money to this fund. It's tax deductible. Um, they do the college. I think it's like 509 plan. Yeah. Um, my sister's pregnant right now and I'm setting one up for her son. Wow. That's so nice instead of doing um, like baby shower gifts, that's my gift to her is setting up the college fund because I know the college is expensive. But with that being said, my stepson yeah. and I have had long conversations. I was really blessed with not having student debt because I went into college with scholarship money mm-hmm. for sports, got her, lost it, but then ended up taking the long way around college. I should have finished college well before I did, probably yeah. five years before I did, but because mm-hmm. I didn't want debt and student loans. You took um, your time. I took my time and paid. I worked to pay my way through college. So I paid... And had coming out of college 
$2,000 in student loans. Jeez. Um, but I busted my ass to get to that point because I didn't want to have the student loan yeah. debt. And it wasn't ever because <clears throat> I even acknowledged the fact that it was a big deal. Like, I, I mean, if, if I had a choice in college, like, without the sports, mm-hmm. to go to a four-year school that was $60,000 a year and do all four years there and come out of there fully in debt, or to go to a, a like, a school that was in-state that I could pay my way through it mm-hmm. and not necessarily finish in a necessarily, like, timely matter, I still would have went the route of not finishing in a timely matter so to not why- have the debt. Why was it so important for you not to have debt? I'm curious. Was it something your parents like ingrained in you or was it just like a personal thing? Like you were like, I just don't want to have to deal with this. Like, probably, what was my, it? probably my parents. Okay. I was the, um, like generationally. So even my mom's sisters never had children. So out of cousins wise, it was all on my dad's side of the family. I was middle of the pack. I had one cousin two cousins before me that were like two cousins that were older than I was, then it was me. I was the second person to go to college Mm -hmm. in my family. Um, and for me, it was one of those situations that my, my parents owned a small business. It was never, you know, we all finances were always discussed openly because of owning a business. Mm -hmm. So it was one of those things like my parents put me into the high school that I went to because of me being an athlete Mm-hmm. Um, it, it may be, it may have been different if I weren't an athlete. Mm-hmm. I know for my sister it was very different for me. It was every point from like the time I was 12 years old to high school was strategically made for me to go to school, to go to college, to get it paid for. Gotcha. Um, but it was, it, my parents didn't go to college. I mean, so it was never yeah. like, we never discussed like the debt ratio of that stuff so like yeah. I was the my I was the oldest I was the first person my parents sent to college but it but was for so long it was ingrained on you like we are going to set you up to get through without student loans yes, exactly so, so when you got there and then you lost your scholarship because of your injury you didn't just immediately go like oh I'll just like borrow money for this you still had yeah. that like mentality of I have yeah. to get through without loans I had it with my injury I had to take off um, a full semester of school during that time, it was a lot of reflection and talking to my parents and kind of figuring out next steps in my life because I didn't anticipate the injury, obviously, and I was 20. So it was one of those things like super life shattering. I mean, it was not a great situation. I'd been living this lifestyle, being this athlete since I was like nine. Mm-hmm. And then you get hurt to a point where they can't fix you back to a competitive nature. So you're like, what do I do? Yeah. And I took time off. I mean, I moved Which from New Jersey. a really smart move, actually. I, uh, I moved out of the state. So I lived in New Jersey. I went to the state university in New Jersey. I moved out of New Jersey and decided that, hey, I wanted to, I was studying to be a school teacher when I was in, at Rutgers. I can't imagine being a school teacher. I can't and, imagine you being a teacher either. No. And I was in the program of getting like my five-year master's program. So like I would have come out of college within five years of the master's. So I, if I didn't, if I got hurt and when I initially got hurt and took care of it, I could have redshirted a season, done my five years with my master's and stayed on scholarship. Mm-hmm. I unfortunately got hurt. My doctors couldn't figure it out. 
I was then stubborn and then got hurt to the point where they couldn't fix me. So I couldn't even come back the next season and just give up a year of scholarship and just wow. pay the in-state tuition to get my master's in the five years. But it works out perfectly for me because stars aligned. I moved to the state of Maryland and I never looked back. So, so. you, but you are definitely Different. more of an exception. Yes. And, and I am definitely the exception, which is partly why I feel like I want to be honest about that. Cause I don't, you know, I don't want to come off as like, Oh, like oh, I know the best way. Um, when I'm not the average millennial who took out tens of thousands yeah. of dollars to pay for college, cause that's the only choice that they had. Like I, I went to an in-state school, so that helped a lot. I graduated in three years, which helped a lot. And yeah. my parents helped me, which helped a lot. Now I still ended up with like around eighteen thousand dollars in debt. Really not that bad. And I paid it off um within five years of graduating. And so like my but my story is not bad. Like I and I totally recognize that. Do you want to hear something funny? So what? like I have a one of my really good friends. Um, she did her undergraduate at a prestigious school mm-hmm. and then her graduate degree at like a state school, but her graduate degree was paid for. So she did her undergraduate degree and she's a musician. And okay. so she did it in kind of a, I like didn't ask her permission to even talk about this. She did it in music theory, thinking that she was going to make millions of dollars and be this star she thought she was gonna be like Kristen Chillenworth like an opera singer like this really great Broadway musical star like singing soprano and she's amazing and she deserves to have been everything that that has ever like Mm -hmm. I mean she's the most beautiful voice I've ever heard Mm -hmm. but it just didn't happen so she came out of undergraduate with like upwards of a hundred thousand dollars in student loans graduate school was fully paid for um, so she was taking care of her. So she has her master's in like, I think like music theory or something like that. Um, but she's one of these people and she falls into the upper scale of millennial as well that, um, could, could benefit from it, but I don't think she ever would have taken it. Um, mm-hmm. but she paid off her student loans. Like she's busted she her ass. Like she busted her ass by like making her name locally and performing in music theaters locally. She's performed at Carnegie Hall. I mean, she's super talented. Mm-hmm. But she realized after getting her master's that she didn't want to be that performer because being a, a singer is really brutal on your body. Mm-hmm. Um, people just assume like opera singers are these like overweight, heavy set women that are out there singing. And she is about 110 pounds of soaking wet, wow. nothing. Like so she paid off her hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. How long she did it take it? her? Um, probably less than ten years. Yeah. She so, busted it. She did everything she could to pay it off because that was the one thing that really killed her. And she, the funny thing is, is that she she still sings. She performs really frequently, um, but she teaches voice lessons, and now she is like a nutritionist slash baker slash oh, wow. like extraordinary person that is just disgusting and I hate every so, aspect of her yeah, but, of like, but like she's she's done this with ha- like coming out of college with crippling loans yeah. and has made it work for a person that like was making nothing it's not like she came out of her master's degree program and like was making a hundred thousand dollars a year to pay this off I mean she really like killed it to do it and she paid off her student loans yeah and 
like well that's the thing so okay so let's let's like dovetail this back a little bit so i know a lot of like that story is not unfamiliar to me and and you know i and i don't even want to point to myself or you like yes did i work hard to pay off my loans absolutely but i also had like very like a, a very small amount really like it was under 20 it was like between 15 and 20,000 and um I paid it off like fast and so I'm not one of these people that has like like this 10 years later and I'm like drowning and like I feel like whatever I'm never gonna pay off my student loans but I've heard stories like you, that friend that you just described um and but you know, when you read coverage about the student loan crisis or when you have read all this coverage about, you know, Elizabeth Warren's plan or like listen to Elizabeth Warren speak, the only side of the story you get is, oh my goodness, all these Americans are drowning in tens, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars of student loan debt that can't be discharged in bankruptcy. And it's making them put off marriage and it's making them put off having a family and it's making them put off like buying a house and making them put off all these things that's hurting the economy and oh my goodness like we have to fix this because they can't do anything and blah blah blah, blah. and it's like this huge deal and um but every single one of us knows somebody if not ourselves who took out student loans to pay for college and then worked our butts off right after to pay them off yeah. So I just feel like th there's a lot of different stories out there. Everyone has different stories about their student loan experience and it doesn't always get represented in the media. And that's partly like my issue with this. But my other problem, and to go back to Elizabeth Warren's Medium post for a second, I, I don't know if you read the whole thing, which you, um, I would encourage everyone to read it and I'll put it in show notes. But what's interesting to me um, and I'm going to get on my soapbox for a little bit, but she, she spends like the, the first, like, I don't know, one third of her post talking about how we got on this problem, um, to begin with. And she's actually kind of like right on the money. Like she talks about how, um, you know, this, this crisis was born out of the government telling everyone that they needed a college degree. Um, and I'm trying to see if I can find something to quote, but, um, here she says at one point, the federal government went with a third. Okay, so four-year colleges raised tuition and fees, um, and rather than stepping in to hold states or these universities accountable um, with the rising costs, the federal government went with a third option, pushing families that can't afford to pay the outrageous cost of higher education towards taking out loans. The result, and I'm quoting from her, the result is a huge student loan debt burden that's crushing millions of families and acting as an anchor on our economy. So she puts her finger like right on the nail of the problem, which is that this whole crisis is born out of the government, federal government telling everyone for so long, you have to get a college degree. And guess what? We're going to make it super easy for you by giving you loans um, out the wazoo that you're not like qualified to take and we shouldn't be giving you and we don't know that you'll be able to pay back but here just take them anyway and like you can take as much as you want like it's not that big of a deal just take it for undergrad and then oh like go to grad school and like here's more free money or not free money but so she she gets like the cause of this whole thing which I think is not like controversial at this point everyone kind of no. acknowledged that we are in the crisis that we're in because the federal government for so long has been telling us to go to college and like that they'll just give us loans to do it um 
but what befuddles me so much is that instead of like proposing a solution to stop <laughs> that practice, like to stop the federal government from like giving out loans like that, instead of the federal government root, is the solution, <laughs> like instead of fixing the root of the problem, which she acknowledges in her post, she's like, oh yeah, like, okay. I'm not saying that we should stop giving loans. I'm just saying that we should forgive them now. I mean, I don't even have any words to describe like how dumb I think this approach is. I don't know how they do it like now because I was in college so long, but like, I know one of the bigger things, like we did career counseling when I was in high school and like, I am older, so, like, I still remember career counseling. I remember having to do a project on, like, marriage. Mm-hmm. And we got, I went to Catholic schools, very different. Um, we, I got married, and we had to budget out our lives. Mm-hmm. And, like, with having kids and not having kids, like, every aspect of everything in life. For, like, five years, we had to do a five-year plan of marriage. Wow. Which is crazy. And, um, but, I, I mean, I remember looking at colleges, and I was, like, optimistic as a senior in high school and I was like I'm gonna move to Hawaii I'm gonna go here I'm gonna go there and my parents are like a we're not sending you anywhere but like a state school right because that's you know you're 18 you can make your own decisions but financially we still have access to your college fund and you're really just not going to yeah use it unless yeah so I really was limited in choices anyway but like my dream school I was like I'm gonna go university in Hawaii and live in Hawaii and like get drunk on the beach all day (laughs) yeah and like live my life and my parents were very quick to say you can't we can't afford to send you to because you you figure when you're 18 even at 18 your parents have to co-sign on some of these students student loans with you so it's not like you're just going in and like I mean right my name's Christina and and my parents did that my parents definitely helped me out by co-signing some loans but at the same time like I still had loans that were just in my name yeah, that I took out as a seventeen-year-old. Like I went into college as a seventeen-year-old. Like I, or wait, hold on. No, I had just turned eighteen. Whatever, I was eighteen. Um, but we're still giving tens of thousands of dollars to eighteen-year-olds. Yeah, and like yeah, they may say, "Oh, I'm going in as pre-med," or "I'm going in as pre-law," or like I'm going to be an engineer. But we all know things change when you're in college, and like. Mm-hmm. Some people drop out and don't finish. Some people change majors. Some people have big life catastrophes that happen that prevent them from, like, reaching their full earning potential outside of college. And so all these people, a lot of just average everyday people are, like, really on the hook for a a ton of debt that, like, for one reason or the other, they haven't been able to pay back. And I get, you know, look, I... I, I've read enough about this to know the struggles that a lot of people are going through. I don't want to downplay any of it. Like I do, I think there's this vicious cycle of people taking on enormous student loans, going to college, and then feeling the the push to move to like urban areas because those are the only kinds of places where they will earn enough money that they feel like they can pay back their loans. But on the flip side, those urban areas are also way more expensive to live in. And so we're dealing with like paying ridiculous, like for instance, paying ridiculous amounts in rent 
And then also on top of that, paying ridiculous amounts in their student loan payments on top of everything else that costs money and life. And, and I'm not, I don't want to downplay that at all. I mean, I'm one of those people. I graduated college and immediately moved to one of the most expensive places in the country. Like, whatever. Same. I've been there. I did, and, and I did, I did it, it because, without even graduating college. Yeah, I and I here. did it because I was like, I, this is where my career path is going to take me. And, like, I have to earn money. And so, like, where else am I going to go? What I wonder, and, like, this is me, like, adult me, and I probably wouldn't have thought this way as, like, 18, 19-year-old me. But, like, I wouldn't go and take out a loan for a $100,000 car at yeah. all. Me neither. Why would I go? And that's something I'm going to use every day, like a college education. Why would I go and take out a $100,000 loan on an education when I can go to a state school? And not all, I mean, I, I, I hate the connotation that state schools are bad. Like, really, really, really hate it. I went, the two colleges I went to, state schools. I went to Rutgers University and University of Maryland. Both are really great colleges. Both Mm -hmm. are state schools. Yeah. They may not be, like, as sexy as, like, whatever. But I could have went to Princeton, but am I going to pay the money to go to Princeton? Well, right. So, like, so part of this conversation is, is exactly what you're touching on, is, like, the personal life decisions that people make. And, like, like why is state school not good enough for some people or if it's not or if it is or whatever or like why are their parents out there allowing their children to take on this kind of debt don't they know better and sometimes I want to I ask that question like hello like do you know better like why are you letting your kids do this um when an 18 year old has no clue like my when I was applying to colleges I applied to only one out of state school because and and it I mean, and even when I applied there, my parents were like, I don't, I don't know why you're applying to this school because you're not going to go. You're going in state, like just yeah. suck it up. And I'm, you know, I, I'm very glad that I went to the school that I went to and I loved my experience there. And I'm like super proud to have gone to Clemson They have a University. terrible, football, they have a terrible football Oh, Tigers. <laughs> I'm actually wearing my 2018 <laughs> national championship t-shirt, by the way, right now. Um, I uh, should have worn my Rutgers football shirt, but. Do they have a football team? I'm just kidding. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just had to do that. Um, anyway, so so my parents were super clear with me. Like, you are not going out of state. I'm sorry, but you're not going. And, like, your parents were, you know, clear with you. So sometimes part of, part of this conversation that we are, which is the part that we're really not having in the national discourse, is, like, where are the adults in the room? And yeah. And yes, like, I understand that you have your hopes and dreams and your paths and like you want fulfillment and you want to do what makes you happy. Um, But, you know, adulthood comes with consequences and responsibility. And like, this is a time where you have to face that. And like, yes, it sucks to have to face it when you're 17. But the consequence of you taking out all this money is X. And like, Sometimes I wonder where are, are the parents in the room explaining that to their children, and if they had been all this time, would we be in this problem? So that's a, uh, I, and and maybe not fair for me to bring up. I don't know, but it is something that I think about, and a part of the conversation that doesn't get talked about a lot. So I have two really good examples of like that. So okay. for instance, my husband uh, went to school out of state. He went to University mm-hmm. of Colorado for his undergraduate degree. Um, his parents were like, we, you can take out student loans or you can figure out a way to get in state tuition and Mm -hmm. make it work. So he convinced his mom to be a business partner and bought and flipped houses in Colorado 
and did that with his mom was his partner. She was in real estate and did that and was able to get in-state tuition within a year. Had in-state tuition, came out of college making a profit because he bought and sold houses in the state of Colorado. Okay. Um, so really smart about it. When he went to grad school, the being a police officer, his department paid for part of his graduate degree. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he paid off the rest himself. He never took out student loans to get his graduate degree. Mm-hmm. Um, another great example is one of my good friends right now. Her son is a senior in high school. Mm-hmm. He um, is looking at is apply or had applied to colleges. He's already passed that point because we're in basically May. Um, <laughs> He got accepted to West Virginia and he got accepted with a scholarship, a partial scholarship. So he's deferring a year. He's Mm -hmm. deferring a year because his family owns a a, um, log cabin out in West Virginia. He's going to move to West Virginia to get the in-state tuition, going to live in West Virginia for a year without his parents. So he can get the in-state tuition, deferred his his scholarship. So by the time he graduates college, he'll have under $15,000 in student loan debt. See, that's really smart and creative, but it also is kind of sad that he has to do stuff like that. But it was also his parents that advised him. They were like, at first, they were like, you should go to community college because his SAT scores were really good that he could get into community college without paying a year worth of school because his grades, his SAT scores were phenomenal. And but doing that, he would have not been able to get in-state tuition with West Virginia. So he is moving to the state and is going to get his in-state tuition and is going to save a boatload of money. So he will come out of school very close to debt free. So so like who are these people who are not steering, like helping their children make smart choices? People that like, are so interested that, in prestigious schools. I don't know. That's I mean, what bugs me about this, and and I'm look. I don't know what goes on in other houses, but it bothers me. Like when you read news coverage of student loan crisis, and you read all these really horrible stories of like 28 year old Sally Jane who lives in Brooklyn and has $100,000 in debt and is from Florida, but went to, you know, Dartmouth. And now she lives in New York and she pays $2,000 to live in a closet and like, can't pay it. Like, who, how did you get, I, I really do wonder, how did you get from point A to point B? And where was the adult that pulled you aside and said, hey, I know you don't want to hear this right now, but maybe you need to rethink this strategy. Because trust me, you'll regret, you'll regret it later. Does it make you wonder if it's like a, I mean, I don't know. I wonder if mine was like a generational thing because like my parents, their, my grandparents were depression era kids. So like everything was about, um, like income to debt ratio. Everything was about saving money, not frivolously spending things like that. So my parents were raised that way. Mm -hmm. My parents raised my sister and I that way. I'm probably a generation ahead of your family <laughs> or like right teetering at that point because yeah. I'm older than you. So we, you look at things like maybe you have these 28, 27, 28 year olds that their parents didn't necessarily have the wisdom of the families that went through the great depression to tell them like, Hey, don't do these things. Cause it's just not worth it. Mm-hmm. Or they have the families that are like, you know, you should go to the Dartmouths, the yeah. Browns, the, Why not? the Princetons. Well, also, the... these are the parents who, like, right? I mean, it's going to sound really horrible, but these are the people who, you know, 
bought million dollar homes with zero dollars down because people like government institutions were telling them to do it like it's okay just do it just finance your entire life like there is I feel like a a certain group of adults in this country who came of a age and adulthood and like what I'm this like weird fake prosperity by just financing everything yeah and 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 so maybe that has something to do with it too I don't know it's just it's strange it doesn't make any sense and I think our society is almost doomed because of it because I mean we talk to my stepson about fiscal responsibility all the time like Mm -hmm. the importance of not overspending I think it's one of the most important like conversations that you can have with your kids I know last week we talked about um that Grey's Anatomy episode and consent Mm -hmm. like consent yes huge important conversation to have with your children this one is as well this one i think is like probably in the top three at least of important conversations that you need to have with your kids is overspending and debt what's funny is like two weeks ago my stepson and i he's applying for like his first real job Mm -hmm. and so we're going through the application process and i was like you need to set up a bank account and he's like, okay. And I was like, you know, you need to make sure you're setting aside money for savings. You need to mm-hmm. save money. And he's like, I want to do 60% savings and the rest I want for spending. And I was like, I love it. And, but he <laughs> yeah. understands that, like, the importance of savings. The importance of saving your money and, and having that money. Instilling that in him. Yes. Um, I was raised the exact same way. I mean, my sister was as well. Like, my parents are very big into that. Mm-hmm. But my stepson's really, like, that's something, like, get, going into getting his first job. It is a big deal for him to make sure he has a savings account. Because mm-hmm. he's like, I want to own a car one day. And I don't want to have a car loan. And I want to mm-hmm. do, like, he's thinking about going to a trade school for the last two years of high school. So you do, like, half your day in, like, regular mm-hmm. general ed and then the other half in trade. Yeah. And because he doesn't really know what he wants to do at this point. So he's like, if I can come out of high school with credits towards like being coming a master electrician yeah and then but maybe then, you can work your way through college if you want to go the exact, traditional way later exactly <clears throat> and like we're encouraging the traditional way of college because he's very smart so it's one of those like you need to go to school but, but there are so many you different don't. ways to do it you yeah. do, well a you don't have to and b and we should stop telling people that they have to but b exactly if you do want to there are so many different ways to do it like you know, like your your friend who's deferring for a year or um, working your way through. And yeah, is it hard? Yes. Does it's not it, easy. Is it going to suck? Yeah. Um, but can you do it and can you get through it and can you say it made you a better person? 100%. And will you be 100% off better financially? Yeah. Yes. So the other, the, so just to get back to Elizabeth Warren, um, one of the other things that I think is so bizarre about this plan and um, the fact that, like, it's not addressing the root issue of, uh, uh, like, the root cause of this. Um, but also the Brookings Institute, which is not a conservative no. think tank. Like, they're actually pretty progressive. Um, they put out an analysis that the Wall Street Journal covered. And I, I think this is so important. I'm actually going to read a little chunk of this story. Um, and I'll put it in show notes for everyone. But... Um, This is from the Wall Street Journal. Senator Elizabeth Warren's proposal for the government to forgive a huge chunk of student debt would disproportionately help upper-income households, a new analysis shows. Nearly half 
of the estimated $640 billion to be forgiven under her plan would go to the top 40% of earners or households making at least $67,847 a year, according to the Brookings Institution of Think Tank. The analysis also shows a disproportionate share of the money would go to those in managerial and professional jobs, a quarter of the money would go to people with master's degrees, and 9% would go to households with doctor and professional degrees, such as lawyers and doctors. Um, which is just insane to me. Um, and then it also goes on to say about 28% of the money would go to households in the bottom 40% of earners. A tenth would go to households in the bottom fifth. Lower income households tend to have less student debt, but are also more likely to default on their loans because they included um, higher rates of borrowers who dropped out or attended low quality schools and have fewer resources to pay. Um, let's see, there's another really good quote in here. Um, uh, okay, Adam Looney, a Brookings Institute senior fellow, used data from the Federal Reserve's survey of consumer finances to assess how Ms. Warren's proposals would affect different groups. He said the benefits are tilted towards upper-income households. Quote, despite her best intentions and her description of the plan as progressive, a quick analysis finds the Warren proposal to be regressive, expensive, and full of uncertainties, Mr. Looney, a former economist in the Obama administration, wrote in an analysis posted on Brookings' website. <clears throat> wow. Okay, so here you go. This is supposed to help middle America and help all of us millennials, like, get rid of their student loan debt. But according to this progressive think tank and a, a former Obama economist, this is going to mostly help middle, upper middle class families. I mean, I've looked at the financial breakdown mm -hmm. and I mean and and the financial breakdown is in like how people were spending their college money mm -hmm. and maybe it makes sense being that that's what she suggested because it looked like it was going to benefit people that had over a hundred thousand dollars of student loans but like also weren't earning the same amount of money like it was <clears> something <throat> crazy and I don't have it up in front of me um but well I just think it it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to mostly help people who are not necessarily, like, super wealthy or well-off, but that upper middle class who <clears throat> is already, like, much better off than uh, everyone else, obviously, because they're upper middle class and, ha like, actually do, do have the potential to pay off their loans. This is going to help them more than anyone else. And so who yeah. is this really for at the end of the day? I don't know. Um, and I just feel like, and I posted something about this on Facebook the other day, but I just, I just don't, don't understand how this is not going to just help those like very privileged, you know, white people. I mean, maybe I shouldn't even say white people, but those very privileged, like middle class, like young people who decide to go to school to study Russian literature and pay a hundred thousand dollars for a degree in like, um, anthropology because it sounds cool and it's what their heart desires and like how is this not going to incur and, and and they can afford to do that right because they already come from privileged families so someone from a lower middle class family I feel like is much less likely to go major in, th in things like that because they're more practical but if you have like Joe from the suburbs of like Chicago who wants to go study you know Chinese acupuncture and spend a hundred thousand dollars doing it like he can do it and then get his student loans forgiven under the elizabeth warren plan and he's just fine 
but like he probably yeah. could have paid those loans off anyway because he comes from a well-off family. So like, what does it matter? So, but now yeah, it's he's, ridiculous. he's getting benefit. He's getting free government money to study something that is completely useless and does not prepare him for the workforce. And he's just like, what? Just hanging out, getting his loans forgiven. Like, it just drives me bonkers to think about this. And, <clears throat> and it's not the whole like, oh, well, I paid off my student loans, so you should too. And it's not fair that you took out loans that you don't have to repay. It's not that. Like, I could get behind a plan that involved a student loan forgiveness if it also included like we are going to deal with getting the government out of the loan business altogether or like I, we I are agree. going to completely restructure this like le- like I need to see some kind of big deal restructuring to be okay with student loan forgiveness and Elizabeth plan Elizabeth Warren's plan has zero of that it's just let's just wipe out all the student loans and pay for it by taxes on the rich that's it Yep, it's so, ridiculous. I mean, I could talk about this forever, but obviously we don't have that kind of time. And we'll talk about this, I'm sure, many more times on the podcast. Yep. But um, <laughs> I don't know. Just to, I need to get off my soapbox. But this really, this really wrinkles my jimmies. <laughs> <laughs> this really chaps my behind. <laughs> if you know what I mean. <laughs> Um, yeah, I don't know. Any other thoughts? That's it for me. You're just like, Amanda was ranting so hard. I can't top that. So I'm just yeah. gonna like, yeah, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess suffice it to say, we'll see what the other candidates do. Obviously, this issue isn't going away. And I and I personally would like to see our side talk about it more often. And not just, like, cede it to the Democrats. But that's another topic for another day. Um, For now, we will go not drown under some student loans, I guess. Um, But thanks, everyone, for tuning in to another episode of the Not Your Average Feminist podcast. This has been a great episode. Thanks for listening to us rant about student loans. And if you haven't subscribed, please subscribe already. And um, tell all your friends to subscribe as well. Christina, yeah, got anything you. else you want to add? That is it. I think you've did covered I it all. Ask you? Wow. Yeah, yeah you I did. really, I already, I really did go on a rant super hard, didn't I? <laughs> all right. All right, that wraps up this episode. Thanks again for joining us. Thanks. All right, bye.